Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Lovin and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast, we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammering field and people who have a general interest in the topic. Today's guest, I am joined by Shil from Australia. And this is actually not the first time that me and Shil have worked together. We've worked together through uh, for International Stammering Awareness Day at the company that I work at, Publicis. And we did a whole host of different events, and now Shil has joined me on my podcast today. So welcome, Shil. Thank you, and it's really good to work with you again. Thank you. And like, you, you should have heard Shil and I when we were first in our welcome call for our events at Publicis. And the person who joined the call, she was like, was this, like just saw just two people just bouncing different thoughts straight off her head. She was like, this is pretty amazing. So, Shil, can you introduce yourself and tell the viewers what you do for a living? Sure. You've already told the viewers my name. I am a public speaker. I specialize in public speaking and storytelling. I'm an MC. I'm a host. I interview. I facilitate events. And I speak at conferences and events so my whole life is based on public speaking revolves around public speaking and storytelling wow and you stammer as well and i would love and it's really interesting how i've really learned like i think i think i may notice your stammer more than others would do because i stammer myself so i think i'm Think I can see it more in other people, and can I'd love to ask you about your stammer. When did you first realize you had one, and how was it at a younger age? We, 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 we picked it up, and when I when I say we, I mean my parents picked picked it up when I was ten years old, and that's the earliest memory or recollection we have of me stammering. And at first, I don't remember too much about it because I was so young. However, as time went on and life went on, it wasn't fun at all. If I'm allowed to be candid on this podcast, Actually, I am going to be candid. It was pretty shit because kids would laugh at you and they would tease you. They would beat you up. They wouldn't allow you to sit in the same space as them. They would always instruct me to sit away from the the, the group because I wasn't normal or I was considered stupid. And so... From a very early age, from what I remember, it was not fun. It was not pleasant. And it continued like this for most of my life. Yeah, and I can sort of relate to my house school. It was very tough. Like, I don't think people realise like, how much it can mentally affect you. And I think how your headset is sometimes 100% towards your stomach and not other things. And... I'd, what has been some of your hardest situations with your 
stammer. You, you mentioned be, before you questioned that for people who stammer, we focus on it and it's all about that. And so we get so ca caught up in how we sound, how we come across and what people might be thinking of us that it drowns out everything else. And that's a mental drain for anybody who listens to this, who stammers, or even if you don't, it's a mental drain, which we need to work with and cope with. Your question was, how, can I think of a time where it's been particularly challenging? Yeah. Was that your question? Yeah. I don't have one. I have hundreds. <laughs> Many, many. And if I was to pick the first one which comes to mind, one of the catalysts for me pursuing a, a career in public speaking was a horrible presentation I had at my previous career, in my previous career, where there was 10, perhaps 12 people in the room and I was asked to deliver a presentation to this particular client who I'd been building a relationship with for 12 months. So I'd gotten to know them well and we got along. When I was told I'm presenting, I was so nervous that for weeks before I didn't sleep. My focus and my concentration was gone. And on the day, half an hour before the presentation, I had a panic attack. So I ran to the bathroom and I remember throwing up violently. I cleaned, I cleaned up, walked into the meeting room, the boardroom, where everybody was there and everyone turned to look at me, expecting me to present. And I started fumbling and stuttering and sweating. And you could see drips of sweat falling onto the table and the papers in front of me. And it was so humiliating because in that instant, I lost all credibility. I lost the relationship. I lost the respect of my peers and my colleagues and my boss. I lost the respect of my client and lost a project which was worth in British pounds and sterling pounds, two million pounds. Wow. And... What have you learned from that experience? Like, we all have a doubt, like, we all have a situation that we have, but also we all learn from those situations as well. What's your biggest like, takeaway and learning? Like, how have you learned from that situation in like presenting? Because now you're a public speaker. So, what was that different mindset of going or not being able to do a presentation to then now doing public speaking? Yeah, it, it, it is a slight career change, isn't it? <laughs> slight career change. The one thing, no, I learned many things from that day. However, the one standout is to tell people. Be honest and tell people. I walked into that room feeling nervous and pressured and feeling unworthy because I knew I would stutter. Whereas if I'd simply told everybody that I have a, 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 a pronounced stutter, 
it's not so pronounced now because I'm controlling it. Back then, it was a really pronounced stutter. I wish I'd told everybody and I'd shared the burden with my boss and my colleagues. Instead, I didn't. So what I've learned to do now is when I step into a room, I tell people. For example, today, I was, I've been asked to host an event in Perth, and it, there'll be about 500 people there, so I'm going to MC it. And I told the event organizer, there are two things about me you need to know. One, I stutter. <laughs> I call myself the stuttering speaker. So whilst I'm pre presenting, I will stutter. And if that doesn't fit your requirements, or if you think it's going to break the flow of the event, I'm not your guy. And two, I get anxious when I present. When I get anxious, I feel very hot and sweaty. So there's two things about me. I tell people now, I stutter and I get anxious. And if you've got a problem with that, you're not my people. Wow. And so do you have never told you like your team that you stammered or something because I was saying to someone the other day how like within my first paragraph of of meeting my team so I said yeah so I do stammer my words may come out in a different way sometimes they may not but sometimes it does let you know and like my boss's reaction was yeah sure okay I'm like literally like and I I think I've got it written down to my CV actually just saying that I do stammer and I'm not going to hide it because then I won't be showing my true self. And many people should just own, own it up front, be themselves. Own it. I never outwardly told, told anybody in my former industry that I started. People could hear it, they knew. I was always too embarrassed to talk about it because... I felt it was a weakness and I felt it was it was rough and it was a sign that I'm not confident in myself, which wasn't true. However, I was embarrassed to talk about it. And so to loop onto the example I gave you, I remember one presentation I gave when I stepped into a room with high-level executives, and my opening line to them was, this presentation should take 10 minutes. However, I stutter. So it might take me 15 minutes to deliver the content. And they all had a chuckle, and it was beautiful because it broke, broke the ice. It took the pressure off me, and it took me 20 minutes to d d d deliver it, and they were fine with it. They were absolutely fine. In fact, they commended me for my bravery to go through it and endure the stutters as well because most people don't have the courage to stand up and speak publicly, let alone having a stutter and speaking up publicly or doing a podcast like you're doing now. It's such a brave thing of you to do. Thank you. And I, I had a very similar situation, which I talk about. I think nearly every single one of these podcasts for at my friend's wedding. So I was best man. And my first sentence was, <clears throat> and my speech was, just let you know that I do stand with, so hopefully we will be done by night time. And it just meant that the whole room just crackled. It just burst out laughing, but also 
I didn't stammer once in my whole speech. And once I owned it, my brain was like, okay, you don't need that now. And it was just a really odd thing. <clears throat> Sorry. So we mentioned your public speaking, and I'd love to talk to you about it in more detail as your job as, as a public speaker. Can you just explain a bit more about you do what Chatterbox is, which is Shields currently, but also how does your stammer affect you in your everyday scenario? Sure. Chatterbox specializes in public speaking. So I coach and train public speaking. I work with individuals and with groups. So I work with a lot of executives, managers, and high-level individuals who present and speak at conferences. I also work with teams who need to improve their business development or their networking ability. And I show them the art of public speaking and how it can be applied to other forms of communication. That's my coaching side. I'm also a professional speaker. I've got six stories or keynotes, if you would like to say, that I get booked to deliver on a regular basis. In fact, I'm in the process of designing my new one, my seventh, which I'm really pumped about because I'm delivering it in two months. Oh, wow. And I MC events, so I make sure I'm the glue that holds the room together. I introduce speakers. I gel everything together in terms of the flow, the sequencing, the transitions. I coach TED speakers. I'm the head of speaker coaching for TEDx Perth. So I've worked with a number of TED speakers now as well. That's what my life as a public speaker is. I'm a storyteller. And the other part of your question was, how does my stutter affect my public speaking? Was that the other part of your question? Yeah. It's enhanced it. It's enhanced it because in, 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 interestingly, when I was going through my transformation of accepting my stutter and being okay with the fact that I have broken fluency, I keep saying stutter, please bear with me. I know it's, you call it stammer. I, I say it's stammer fine. because that's what I'm familiar with here. So I'll... Try and remember stammer. However, don't blame me if I say stutter. Oh, that's fine. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. 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 It's enhanced my pu pu public speaking ability because what I learned is stut stammering, stuttering has given me an increased awareness of my surroundings. It's made me much more conscious about how to breathe consciously how to roll my sentence in and time it with the rhythm of my breath. It's taught me about mind mapping, how to pick words and combinations really quickly and put them together like a jigsaw puzzle in, in a way that fits well so I can pronounce that word. That in turn has sharpened my vocabulary. It's made me more articulate because I only pick the most efficient ways to say my sentences instead of blabbering on and wasting time. It's forced me to look for creative ways to speak. So I speak to music. I speak to a progressive beat in order to stay fluent. And I've developed 
eight different techniques which are unique to me that enable me to speak fluently. And I consider that to be a superpower because statistically, I think three to 5% of the world's population has a stammer. And so if us as stammerers sit in a three to 5% category of people who have this, that makes us elite because yeah. we sit in an elite category of three to 5% where we think differently, we're wired differently. We see the world through a different perspective. And I think that's pretty cool. And so that has made me an even better public speaker. Wow. And it is really, I was talking to someone who's, um, who does like public speaking training and she was saying how she's been surprised by, well, she was saying to me how you'd be, be surprised by how nervous people get before public speaking, but also how less nervous people with a speech impediment are whenever they do a public speaking. For some reason, their brain sees it like a mini challenge to do it. And like they're more pumped to do it compared to someone who's just present doing a normal presentation. She yeah. said they would be bricking themselves beforehand. However, she was like, you've got people like you who are doing a podcast, who have a stomach, who can't even speak fluently. And then confidence and you want to do a public speaking to push yourself compared to people who just take it nervous, which is fascinating. I still feel really nervous before oh, I get so on do I. stage. Oh. every single time so please do not think i don't feel nervous oh. my my nerves are rattled <laughs> like I'll, I'll never forget when i was doing a media interview and it was my first studio interview and my nerves beforehand and i was watching the show at home before but because I, I was at the end so i was at home and the show started and then like, and then at the end of the show they joined by William, who's going to talk about his stomach, and when I faced on my friend, and I was like, oh, oh, it's actually happening. And literally, my brain just from then just felt so slow that time. And it was so weird how, as soon as I got on onto the sofa, my nerves just went straight, straight yeah. for it, like the studio sofa, because I, I was with, with the environment. And it, and it was just actually odd feeling how it just went. Straight when I sat down on that new sofa, it just went straight through yeah. my nerves. And I was like, How does it do that? Like, you get really nervous beforehand. And then, but do you think it, 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 if it wasn't for your stammer, you would be a public speaker? No, no, absolutely not. And 100% unequivocally, no. Wow, that's, so it's sort of, do you wonder where you would be now without your star? I do. I often have. And I wonder what my life would be like if I didn't stammer. And for years, I wished I didn't. And I wished this illness would go away. Now, however... I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I am completely the same. How like before I used to think I'm mean, able to struggle, but now I've realised it makes me who I am and I'm gonna be me without my stamina. 
So I would love to now move on to your feature film. It is a very impressive documentary which follows you for your journey. And can you just tell us more about about it, but also how it came about as well? Sure. I still feel strange talking about this. It's really strange. A local Perth director, his name is Scott Quayle, approached me in 2019. And he said to me, I'd like to make a documentary about you. To which I responded, are you nuts? Why? And he found my story fascinating because he, in his mind, and to a lot of people I meet, in fact, mo most people I meet, they say to me, how can a stutterer voluntarily want to do public speaking? It doesn't make any sense. And Scott was interested in documenting that and he, he thought it would make a really cool story to tell people on a global scale. So he approached me, he pitched the story, I, the storyboard to me. I came home and told my wife and my wife, she looks at me and she says, why you? Ugh. <laughs> and I said to her, well, thank you. I love you too, sweetheart. <laughs> so happy we're married. <laughs> and she and I both, 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 both agreed that it's an incredible once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because no one approaches you and asks to make a feature film documentary out of you. No, not feature film, short film documentary out of you. And that's where it started. And I said yes, and he followed me around for 18 months. And in between that, we all went into lockdown I'm not going to go into that. I think everybody has fatigue over that subject. We worked around that, and as soon as the lockdown ended, we were back to it. It was really weird because I'm used to being filmed and having a photographer in my face, and I'm used to being on camera. However, ha having a filmmaker follow you around with a camera in your face all the time is really strange. He followed me. There's a shower scene in there. And it's the one scene I get the most questions where people ask me, did you wear pants in the shower? And I say, of course I wore pants in the shower. What do you think I was going to do? It was strange, though. I'm having a shower, and I've got a filmmaker with a camera filming me having a shower. It was so strange. The experience, though, was incredible. At times, it was really hard. There's a scene in the beginning where I'm training. I'm at the gym. And that was tough because I'd already been training on my own for an hour to get my workout in. And then Scott and London said, we're ready. So, so London's the executive producer. He worked with Scott to make the documentary. And they said, right, we're ready. And by then, I was shattered. And they made me still train hard for an hour. And there were several times I thought I was going to throw up. And they said, we need more reps. You need to keep, 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 keep going. And I thought I was going to puke. So we don't see that when you watch the documentary. However, the behind the scenes for that 
that part was particularly interesting. <laughs> wow. And and it's really fascinating how your wife's reaction. Like there are certain people I can tell my brain goes in all different places with my thoughts. And I once told my hypothesis, Charlotte, about this one idea. And I categorically said, feel free to shut me down on this. She came back to me and said, no, I absolutely love it. Told my boss about it. She's like, you're mad. Why would you do that? It's like, you're stupid for that idea. Why would you do that? It was like two completely different thoughts. I'm going to go straight to my officer's perspective, who I possibly trust her opinion slightly more in this situation. Uh, no, my my wife, to clarify, she was all for it. And we banter a lot and our relationship is, is it's hilarious. And she... Her reaction was was more in line with, why would anybody want to make a movie about you? What's so special about you? And I thought, this is why I married you. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> and the next bit is, I'm very jealous because you've done a TED Talk, but also you're a TED Talk coach. One of my goals for 2022 is to do a TED Talk, but I'm kind of lost about how to do that. What advice would you have for me wanting to do a title, but also how did you find the experience yourself? And then especially the nerves of it being a title, especially for your stomach. Sure. Let's talk about the nerves and the experience first. The nerves were enormous. (laughs) Enormous. In the practices, the rehearsals, the weeks before, the night before, I didn't sleep. The day before, was I was a wreck. No, the day off, the morning off, I was a wreck. And then as soon as I was on stage, I was ready. Brilliant experience, though. And my regret, and I will use that. No, that's the wrong word to use. That's not the word I mean. My disappointment is not being able to share the video and the photos because of the license of the event. It was an internal TEDx event where they couldn't release the videos and the photos afterwards, which is really sad. However, my wife was in the room and there was a couple of people in in the room who meant the world to me. So that's one part of it. What advice would I give to anybody who who wants to give a TED talk? Why should people, why should we listen to you? Take a long time to think about that question. Why should we listen to you? Because we we know we have an idea worth spreading. You want to give a TED talk because you have an idea worth spreading. You have an idea worth sharing. Whether there's five people or 500 people or 5,000 people in the room, they're all going to give up their time to listen to you. And that time could be five minutes or 10 minutes or 18 minutes. That's where Ted Kaptur talks is 18 minutes. Why should anybody give up their time to listen to you? What makes you and your story and your 
delivery and the narrative of it so unique that we need to listen to you. And so the advice I would give is think about that question. Take a long, long time to think about that question before you consider a TED talk. Yeah, that's really good advice. And one of the things that keeps pissing me off is just filling out the application and just submitting the application. So for people who are like me, we know what our story is, but we just have a fear of pressing that submit button. What advice would you have or just for going to submit it and like there's some reason like the amount of times that I've got that tab up filled out and then I just think no I can't do it I can't do it and then I just run what's why do you feel that way I think I'm just ner nervous but I think it's also just like the likelihood of it actually happening is, pos is possibly smaller than the chances of it not happening so I think for some reason my friends are like, oh you won't get it so what's the point of filling out the application okay and so what makes you nervous about it I think does the I think it's just what you said like would my story be worthy when I know it's to myself and I've told multiple people my story and lots of people have said that you got something to share, but I think it's just having that self-courage of just believing in my self, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you believe in yourself? Yes. Then press that button. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If, if you've gone through the application process and the only thing stopping you is from pressing that button, press that button. Because... What's the worst that can happen? They just say no. I'm going to try again next and year. And what if, what if for next year's ap 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 applications for TED Talks, you write out an application and you don't hit that button and they had one spot left and the one spot they were looking for a real life story of courage and bravery and your application ticked all those boxes. How would you feel if you didn't get it? Uh, oh, gutted. The same. Why didn't I do it? So what's a stronger emotion? Being gutted that you didn't get it or being too nervous to do it? I'm too nervous to do it. That's a stronger emotion for you? Uh, no, I think too gutted. Yeah, too, too gutted. So between being too gutted to do it and too nervous to do it, the stronger emotion is being too gutted that you didn't get it. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's the stronger emotion, what should you do? Just do it. And just, just do it. Press the button. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So that's we've... 50 pounds right there. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving on to, I really sort of talked about the pandemic. It's affected us all in different ways. How has the pandemic affected your stammer? When it first hit, it affected me greatly for a week because I lost 80% of my work and I could see everything I built crumbling. So 
it hit me hard. Since then, however, the focus I've had has been really strong and it hasn't impacted my stammer because I've really focused, I've concentrated and not just on delivery and speaking, I concentrated on my mindset, on taking care of my body, my diet, my routine, my sleep, looking after myself and treating myself and my body like a temple. And because of that, I've worked smart. I've worked hard, however I've worked smart. And Chatterbox has grown exponentially over the last two years. And so my stammer hasn't been affected by the pandemic. And Chatterbox has done well because we've been thoughtful and creative with our strategy for how we build. Wow. And it's fascinating how you've only realised it that you noticed it for weeks when I went to working from home I the last thing on my mind was how my stand would be affected some reason just didn't even and then I was because I'm working from home my stand is better and I've been sociable and I when I've been at the office all day and working from home you do not have that same communication so yeah. I realized that I was stammering on new words because I just wasn't using my voice as much but then I use that time to work on my stammer to find different techniques. And now I'd say my stammer is the strongest it's ever been in terms of my confidence about it. Because I've had to put myself through like my worst nightmares of picking up the phones or like presenting more because I think you have less of an excuse to present virtually than you do in person. Sure. And I just think that it's really odd how it's, my, my stamina is strongest it's ever been. Because of it getting worse, it made me work on it even more sure. to sort of adapt to it. You raise a good, 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 good point. Look, I have really bad days, really bad days, and they come at any time, at any moment. I don't know when they're coming. I had several bad, bad, bad days over Christmas, over the Christmas break. And I take them in my stride now. Yeah. It happens. It happens. If, if I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. And I don't fret or stress over them. I switch off. I let my mind rest and I avoid people. <laughs> and I, it, it's really odd. I was telling someone some the other day, when I went away in November to New York by myself, I wasn't really talk because I was by myself. I wasn't really talking to anyone. When I landed at Heathrow, and when my um, parents came to pick me up from the airport, I realised that I just could not speak. Like it was just the weirdest thing because I hadn't really used my voice. My stomach was awful. Like I could barely put out my words, and it was just of not being used. And then a few conversations later, I was just back to normal. But it was just like a old car that you just had to keep the engine turning a bit. But to round up this lovely, this lovely episode, could you give three pieces of advice to someone who stammers and three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer? Three pieces of advice to someone who does. One, Think of it as a superpower and 
develop it. Work with your stammer. Give it a name. My stammer is called Chatterbox. <laughs> I gave mine a name. I gave mine a pronoun. I work with him. I have a good relationship with him. To be proud of it, or him, or her, or them, whatever you wish to call your stammer. And three, tell people. Tell people. Yeah. If you tell people, it raises awareness and takes the pressure off you. To somebody who doesn't stammer, the pieces of, of advice are, one, if you meet a stammerer, we are not stupid. Please don't think we are. We're not. We are normal, intelligent people. And stammering doesn't mean we can't speak. It means we can speak. We speak with broken fluency. Yeah. So we can speak. Two, I don't like it when somebody finishes my sentences. So please don't finish our sentences because it undermines us and it makes us feel as though you were so impatient you had to finish what we were saying, which is not a nice thing. And three, don't feel sorry for us. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good one. And one don't quick question. Sorry for this. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there because there's nothing to be sorry about. Yeah. We have a superpower. We're proud of it. It makes us who we are. And so please don't feel sorry for us because there's nothing to be sorry about. Yeah. And one quick question, which I ask all my guests, but I don't give them notice beforehand. If um, When you think of someone famous who stammers, who do you think of? I think of somebody famous who stammers, who do I think of? The, the most famous st stammerer which comes to mind, and although he was acting, is Colin Firth from The King's Speech. He, 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 he was acting the role. Yeah. However, that to me, and I, it's a sideways to answer your question, that to me was brilliant. His role was brilliant, and I thought yeah. the way he played the role was absolutely brilliant. Who else? I think somebody who stammers, who handles it well, very well, is Joe Biden. Yeah. That's a very good... Yeah. I'm not going to comment on the presidency because that's political. Yeah. Ha, 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 however, the way he ha handles his stammer and the fact that he became president of the USA and he stammers to me says, yeah, you owned it, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Likewise, once again, it was really good to talk to you, Will. Thank you. So thank you to our viewers for listening to this episode today. As I mentioned, we've got some really exciting guests coming on. We're very excited to see the podcast grow. We've now also launched Stammer Stories V community, which is an inclusive community for people who stammer to talk to people who stammer from across the world. This will entail a Facebook group and a monthly Zoom call which is a brace-brace session, and what will stay in the session will stay in the session. 
does he have a brave space to talk about his stammer? They are also now on TikTok as well. They are going to be posting ex- um, stats, facts, but also some experience as well. What is like having a stammer? Well, we are also on Instagram and Twitter, so make sure to follow us on all our platforms that we post all our exciting updates and facts. See you next time in two weeks. Bye. Mm-hmm.